Welcome to Lunch with Tech Leaders, where we have engaging conversations about software development and cloud engineering with industry leaders and subject matter experts. These episodes are created by the Great Lakes Tech Leaders, an online community of technology practitioners. Please come join the conversation by visiting gltl.rbn.ai. Again, that's gltl.rbn.ai. Now strap in, because we're deploying to production in three, two, one. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Lunch with Tech Leaders. Uh, I think this is episode 16 of our of our um, get gatherings. So uh, this week, we've got an exciting topic. We're going to talk about uh, CDK versus Terraform. Um, and dive into uh, what we've experienced with the two products, uh, where we see the industry going, and just you know some of the pros and cons of each. Um, but uh, first, I want to introduce to my uh, co-host here, Tom Kowalski. Tom. Howdy, Tom Kowalski. Yeah, I worked with Adam for a while. Um, very interested in these technologies. I feel like it should be more, the, the title's a bit confusing, right? CDK Terraform, maybe like CloudFormation Terraform, right? And like, but um, but yeah, excited to talk about the topic. Yes, I agree. It's a silly title, but I think it drives some like yeah emotions and yeah people wanna, yeah people want to chime in. So you got to yeah. have the controversial title to bring yeah, in. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and before I kick it over to my next co-host, I'll kick it over to my next co-host, Jason Brown with Raybrain. Introduce yourself, Jason. Hey, yeah, uh, happy to be here as well. Um, so yeah, I'm a uh, cloud solutions architect at Rightbrain Networks. Um, so yeah, and I've got some experience with uh, CDK, CloudFormation, and Terraform. So I'm really happy to be part of the conversation. Cool. Um, and big news this week with our um, with our Discord community, the Great Lakes Tech Leaders. We've uh, hit the triple digit mark, over 100 members. So exciting to see that. Would like to get uh, encourage people to invite your your colleagues and technical practitioners to join us. Uh, you can uh, find us at leaders.rbn.ai and just hop in. And we've got a great community we're trying to build out. So I encourage everyone to to hop on and check us out. Okay, so let's kick it off. History lessons. Uh, where did infrastructure as code come from? When did it become a thing? I think, you know, it's just inevitable, right, with the cloud, right, and being able to um, provision things with an API, kind of, uh, you know, it's the, the next evolution. Yeah, yeah. So what I uh, did a little research this week. So around the early 2000s is when you have this explosion of virtualization, right? So, um, and that kind of created orders of magnitude, more complexity with doing stuff in the web, right? So it kind of just happened because it needed to. And then, um, of course, by 2006, you got um, Amazon Web Services becomes a thing. And then um, what's interesting is that in 2004, like what are the cloud native companies now, like Google and Amazon, they all had internal APIs that they were already using to like, you know, manage their infrastructure, right? So um, I think that's really kind of what created the need for infrastructure as code. And then of course you've got like, you know, the DevOps movement um, in the 2010s and, you know, right around that time as well. And that, you know, putting stuff in a repository to 
manage your environments and you know use the use the benefits of version control it's kind of like how it all came to be um my first uh taste of uh infrastructure as code was uh in 2014 when we uh we did cloud formation for some of our environments so um tom you were there um yes um jason how about you when was your first foray into it's like this is infrastructure as code and I'm doing it. Right, yeah, um, definitely cloud formation for me. Um, I know actually when I uh, got brought into um, RBN, uh, gosh, I think it was eight years ago now. Yeah, I was brought in actually as a um, app dev because I have a software engineering background. And then over the years I, I had like one foot in both worlds because I got more exposure to cloud formation. And it wasn't really a big jump for me because you know I was, having uh, the background I had, it was just like uh, writing uh, JSON, right? So uh, to, to build your architecture. So um, it was it was kind of a natural thing. Uh, but that was that was the first uh, time I got uh, involved in writing infrastructure as code uh, was, was uh, with CloudFormation. Sure. Um, yeah, so a little bit of history about, you know, Cloud formation, since we that's kind of seems like where we all started, because I think Amazon was kind of the first to merely make it like an official product, right? Like this is a publicly available thing. So, um, actually, I don't have the history on. Oh, so yeah, so 2011 is when uh, AWS launched, uh, you know, made cloud formation available. Um, in the very next day, the co-founder of HashiCorp actually made a blog post about how excited how impressed he was with um what cloud formation was but thought they needed to create an, an open source uh cloud agnostic solution tool um so that's kind of the birth of terraform and then a few years passed from this this the founders that was uh mitchell hashimoto um from his blog post um a few years passed still there wasn't anything in the market and then in july 2014 is when um they released the terraform 0.1 uh, which supported AWS and DigitalOcean at the time. Um, and what's interesting about the Terraform story is that it wasn't super popular right out of the gate. Um, there was actually some considera consideration of shutting down the the project after about 18 months. Um, but then in 2017, things really started to take off um, with their downloads doubling pretty much every month. And then, of course, Microsoft they they partnered with Microsoft in the, in their Azure platform, and that really kind of I think took them to a whole nother stratosphere. And uh, today, from what I'm seeing, you know, Terraform's like the king of the court um, in terms of infrastructure as code. Um, like lots of companies are using it, lots of people like it. Um, supports over a thousand, I think it's 2,500 providers. Um, thousands and thousands of modules. So it's it's really taken off. Um, yeah. Any, uh, anything to add there, Tom, Jason, and what you've yeah. seen? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that, like you touched on earlier, um, you know, with uh, AWS uh, having their internal APIs um, and be, having those uh, being uh, able to be used through like scripting, things of that nature, it was still pretty cumbersome. So having the uh uh there was a definite need for um a tool like CloudFormation to get things more organized in terms of uh being able to spin up your virtualized infrastructure and yeah i mean with terraform uh even though it came to a rocky start um uh definitely has um kept pace uh and some could argue have uh outgrown uh cloud formation as well so 
um, yeah, it's just really interesting to see the explosion of, of a lot of new technologies being um, uh, just emerging uh, since then. Um, but there, there is a reason why uh, Terraform is considered um, industry standard and has continued to persist in that way. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, HashiCorp has been iterating over Terraform for a long time uh, with um, uh, overcoming some of its initial, uh, um, I guess, limitations, you could say. Um, but yeah, there, and there are still uh, other technologies emerging, just like, uh, you know, CDK, right? Which is kind of like the next evolution of, um, in my opinion, uh, infrastructure as code in general, like going from um, just like scripting APIs to um, a configuration management, uh, infrastructure management tool using um, uh, things like JSON and YAML. So um, the HashiCorp language is kind of like uh, JSON or YAML. Uh, and then from moving on from that to using actual programming languages, um, which then you can, I think we had a discussion uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago about um, writing good uh, software architecture, like good software architecture design. And a lot of those principles actually um, map more closely uh, when you're able to use um, uh, like actual programming languages rather than just like, um, you know, data serialization or markup languages. Yeah. Let me, that's all stuff we're going to dive into here real deep, but uh, let me give a first just a brief history of CDK, and then I think we're going to dive right into like a lot of the great stuff you just brought up, Jason. So AWS CDK is uh, launched in 2019, July 2019, um, open sourced. Um, it lets uh, developers define cloud application resources using programming language rather than these these declarative templates, right? Because, you know, I, I come from a programming background, too, where it's like when 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 I saw infrastructure as code, quote, for the first time, it was like, well, this isn't this isn't code. This is just like a JSON file. So, um, yeah, I think I, it was really it was pretty easy to learn it in terms of back to cloud formation. But um, ended up CDK came about from a project from uh, um, AWS was trying to re-architect their, their search service and the team wanted to build it in a modular way so they could do things in isolation and, and keep, evolve things independently. Um, and the, so they were going to, they used CloudFormation, of course, because that's what they had. Um, but, you know, they, they, they saw that there was an unmet need um, and that need is um, a lot of those things you just touched on, Jason, like, you know, abstraction, inheritance, um, separation of uh, dependencies, um, things like that. So they proof of concept it in Java, um, created what they call, you know, the, the, the constructs, which, you know, define AWS resources, um, got it done really quick, showed it internally, people were blown away by it, um, met with customers. That's what Amazon does a lot. They work backwards from the customers and uh, they, they open source the project. And um, they also open sourced um, the JavaScript interop interface, which converts um, the TypeScript that um, CDK is written into into all the different programming languages, which I think, I mean, that's pretty awesome open source project as well, uh, JSI. So pretty cool stuff there. That's the history of CDK. Um, so yeah, back to the title you brought up, Tom. It's not really fair to compare CDK to Terraform, but I think a lot of companies are like, you know, trying to make sense of it and what they should go with. So um, 
yeah, I'll kind of just open it up and see if uh, people have thoughts and things they want to dive into. But I've got plenty more questions to shoot out if we need some dialogue. Well, I think what you just said there, what the company wants to go with, and I think that's a a good question and you know spot to start. The article that was just put out there that Jordan put out is a is a great read, right? Of of who's writing the infrastructure as code, and you know, is it is it a company standard, or is it a is it a team standard? Um, I have my feelings on it. Does does anybody? And I like that article on how it says, yeah, it de- it depends, right? It depends on your organization, how it's how it's managed, and um, how the how the teams are organized. I personally feel that um, the the decentralized pr- approach is the way to go, right? The the loosely coupled, highly aligned. Um, where you know you have a platform team that could make it easier for the different stream aligned or delivery teams, um, but but ultimately it's up to those delivery teams to to make the choice of what technology they uh, they want to use, unless there's set standards, right? Like we have to for security reasons, audit, you know, compliant reasons, things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the age-old question. Uh, you know, who's going to write this stuff. Um, The argument for Terraform is that um, once you learn the HCL, which is HashiCorp, uh, brain language, yeah, HashiCorp language, um, you know, you've learned, once you learn that, you can basically create infrastructure in any, you know, any cloud provider, because you've learned that, you've learned the structure of that, and you can, you know, you only have to learn it once, and then you're, you're you can pretty much run your workload in any in any environment. I threw up my quotes because you know there's always challenges and quirks when you're switching environments. Um, whereas um, CDK, you know, is a is a is a preferred programming language. So um, I think the the obvious benefit there is you can you can write your infrastructure code right in the same language as your source code, right? So there should be zero learning curve. Uh, in terms of like learning a new language, um, I think there's a lot to learn in terms of um, defining using code to define infrastructure resources and what they do and how to manage them and how to uh, con- the configuration of it all. So, Derek, you got uh, something to add there? Yeah, that's also kind of a double-edged sword, right? Um, because a lot of the times the driver for infrastructure's code is coming from um, the, uh, I don't want to call it DevOps team, but like the traditional more sysadmin uh, infrastructure type folks, right? Um, who may have a preferred language uh, that may not be the same one that the source code uh, for the applications written in, um, but those folks may also um, have a harder time picking up on some of the patterns uh, or um, software architecture um, that might be beneficial out of the gate um, to setting up a good CDK project. I was kind of thinking about um, the reasons why Terraform is the way it is. Uh, I believe the big feature of Terraform when it came out was versioning. So, you know, as you're writing out your hcl and you're getting this json thing back uh you know it's it it may seem simple however 
uh, you know, if you if you change that to some complicated code, it may be more difficult to recognize what the new change is, and then uh, diff the the new infrastructure that you need to deploy. So I think that's why. I mean, that was the from what I understand, from what what I remember, the original like, oh, Terraform's really cool. <laughs> yeah, I think Terraform does it. it compared to what was available at the time, it does a pretty good job of like giving you like a like reconciliation of like what's going to change. I think that um, CVK does that pretty well now too. Um, cloud formation, it was very difficult to, to understand that. So I think that's where like Terraform had a big advantage. Yeah, and just to, just to clarify to our listeners out there, uh, you know, CDK basically is just code that converts your code into a CloudFormation template. So it's just kind of another layer of abstraction. So at the end of the day, um, you end up with a with a CloudFormation template when you're when you're um, running the the CDK synth or CDK deploy. And I think Kyle's um, comment was more about like the previous previously before. Um, oh, what do they call them? Change sets uh, were available. There was no good way to get a broken down list of like exactly what resources are going to change. You kind of had to sift through it yourself um, back in the day. Yeah. CDK actually, when you do a, a, um, a diff, it'll run all of those change sets for you and pump the uh, um, that that output right right to your console. Yeah. So it'd be nice to get a little uh, maybe some insight from a, someone who's experienced with like the differences between because uh, Terraform uses a state file to like manage the state of the system and to monitor you, you know your changes, uh, whereas CDK you know uses the CloudFormation templates and does a diff. So um, Phil, don't mean to call on you, but I think you've got a lot of experience in this realm. If you wanna, if you could kind of give us a breakdown of how. Um, the state files work in Terraform versus what you do in um, CDK slash CloudFormation? Um, sure, I could get uh, one understanding. I do have them. Um, so it's like you said, state files are kind of akin to CloudFormation templates for Terraform. Um, by default, they typically store local to your machine, but there are multitude of ways to get them in a state where multiple developers can work with them. Um, the most common use cases I've seen is a S3 bucket with Dynamo uh, table locking. Um, one of the negatives of state files is that it stores whatever the state was of the last deployment and keeps it there. Whereas the CloudFormation and CloudFormation templates kind of do like a checks and balances system. Um, well, CloudFormation service is is the state, right? So they kind yeah. of keep that on the back end. Yeah. Yeah. Is it kind of like um, my understanding is like with CloudFormation, if you if a deployment fails, you get rolled back automatically. Whereas with Terraform. You know, you just the state gets changed and you're you're borked, or you know, yeah, it, it could be problematic. Um, with with the Terraform state, um, it will lock the state on a deploy, give you the changes, ask if you want to deploy it, and when you do, it'll start running through those changes. Um, typically, kind of top down. Um, unless you have things like depends on. Um, 
depends on is just what it sounds like you're telling this one resource it depends on another so it won't try to do anything with it until the other resource is done but if you have an issue with that deploy halfway through anything that was done before that will remain as it was throughout that deploy everything kind of following pending the resources will just not update um one of the big issues you'll see when stuff like this happens is if you're trying to stand up a new resource that causes a replacement it's going to tear down the old resource then try to stand up the new one if the new one doesn't come up it's going to fail out and that resource it tore down is going to remain removed um so now there's just nothing there and as far as your state's concerned there's nothing there uh so usually you'd have to manipulate state files rollback versions and redeploy to try and get it uh, back up and working or troubleshoot your problem to get it redeployed and corrected. I didn't realize that it tore things down before building yep. new. I thought it worked like CloudFormation where it would build a new and then remove the old. Nope. Interesting. It's been one of my biggest complaints with Terraform. Yeah, the rollback process... Uh easy enough once like is it you're able to streamline just kind of get me back to my last safe position if you do versioning with modules it is if not then you're looking at having to um play with uh get tags to bring back your when it wasn't a working state redeploys uh, or otherwise you're modifying the state files and redeploying states and it's just it could be a it could be a hassle it's a lot of manual involvement if there's a problem, whereas CloudFormation has the self-checking built in. I think it can definitely become a big problem, too, when you're like, if, if it's just like a single resource that doesn't depend on anything or nothing depends on it, it's probably a little easier. But like, let's say you have like a load balancer listener or something like that, where like a load balancer depends on that and other things, like it's going to become more difficult to like potentially roll back in that scenario. Yeah, it's just going to kind of cascade the problem down. Yeah. Yeah, I was when I was researching kind of on this discussion, you know, some people were saying that the way Terraform does it is preferred for them for very, you know, not doing the automatic rollback where the uh, the automatic rollback with uh, CDK CloudFormation um, is sometimes not desirable. But I I don't have like examples of like why. It seems like having a thing, having things roll back to the last time it was stable seems pretty good to me. But uh, I'm sure there's a bunch of use cases out there I haven't thought of where you know you don't you don't want it to to roll back. I think in that vein, it might kind of come down to what environment you're using it in. Obviously, if it's in a prod environment, you you want that stability. You want the ability to roll back easily. If it's um, something in like a dev environment, maybe that rollback might become more of a hassle. I mean, part of the reason that we're using infrastructure as code is so that we can catch these changes in a, uh, an environment before prod, right? Yeah. Um, I would say yes. Uh, current client work <laughs> says that's not always true. Yeah, there's always edge cases, right? Uh, so I want to touch on uh, something before we run out of time here, which is that um, you know, C uh, Terraform has announced their first generally available release of CDK for Terraform. Um, that was uh, August 1st, 2022. Um, 
gonna post a little diagram in the um, in the chat here if it'll let me. But um, who's driving that? Is is um, it's uh, HashiCorp. HashiCorp driving that? Yeah. Okay, interesting. Yeah. So yeah, I was a little um, wasn't quite sure what to expect out of it, but I mean, it looks pretty. It looks like Terraform is it is it is maybe recognized that there's limitations with the declarative language, right? Like there's only, um, you know, they're kind of missing that ability to do um, higher level programming and, you know, abstractions and uh, more sophisticated patterns. So I think this is probably their response to, to make it so that people who actually want to write real code, um, sorry, I don't want to offend anyone, who want to write, you know, uh, an existing, write their infrastructure in an existing programming language, it allows them to do that. Um, and it looks like it works with all their providers. I haven't had a chance to, to, to test it out personally, but it seems like it, it could be a game changer if people like Terraform and um, they like the state file set up and they want to uh, try to do some more higher level programming, why not try uh, CDK for Terraform? Anyone on the call had a chance to check it out or know of it? I guess one thing I wonder is like, is there a paved path for someone who like is using HCL and wants to migrate to use the CDK and uh, you just pick a language, I guess. I'm curious if they have like a migration path. Um, in their notes for the announcement, they said they have improved convert command, which will convert your HCL templates to the equivalent configuration in your preferred language. Nice, nice. So I would be interested in seeing how that, like, what type of code that actually produces. I would also be interested in seeing that. Yeah. I assume that it's probably just like, you know, vomits it onto a, into a single script or something like that. Yeah, I mean, it might get you started, and like maybe you could like glean from it how to, how to, you know, the how to do it, like yeah, you know, go back and clean it up a little. Or yeah. Something. Like to take a small module, convert it, see what the thing does, and be like, oh, and kind of understand how to how to take approach it from a from a more strategic way. Um, but yeah, I think that'd be that'd be cool. So yeah, I'd like to see. Uh, I'd like to talk. Um, it's so new. I don't know. It's version zero point one two. So um, you know, it's it's really new. I'm sure there's lots of uh, challenges with it still, but it seems like it. Got a lot of potential. Yeah, I'm definitely very interested in this. I mean, I've got a uh, kind of a bias, you know, uh, with my background. Like when I saw CDK first emerge, uh, I was really excited to be able to use, you know, the high level abstractions like you were talking about, classes, polymorphism, inheritance to to make it um, more uh, well, not only cleaner, but um, so that infrastructure as code would be uh, more code-like, I guess you could say. Um, so seeing the jump that HashiCorp's making with Terraform, uh, yeah, that, that I'm really excited about this. Um, just, uh, uh, it seems like a, a natural progression and also very um, uh, revealing too that um, they uh, definitely see Terraform as more analogous to, to CloudFormation like HashiCorp themselves. Um, but they've always been very good at adapting, you know, like uh, introducing conditionals and, you know, uh, looping, like some of the basic stuff that wasn't there at the beginning, you know, over time. Um, yeah, I'm really excited to see them uh, adapt and change and uh, see where they take it from here. 
Definitely. Um, yeah, when I talk to people in the industry, I was recently at um, KubeCon in Detroit and just trying to, you know, talk to folks about, you know, uh, what are you using for your infrastructure's code? I mean, I don't think I ran into everyone was using Terraform that I talked to. Um, and I would I would kind of promote CDK just because I'm a fan of it. Um, but it just seems like if you're doing anything multi-cloud, people are just going to jump on the Terraform bandwagon um, is what I saw. And so I think that this, you know, Terraform CDK for Terraform gives people um, kind of the best of both worlds potentially, where it's you can do all your multi-cloud stuff, but I'll still take advantage of a, a higher level programming language. Yeah, definitely agree. I would argue that Helm is a infrastructure as code uh, tool. So technically most of those folks are probably more involved with, uh, at the KubeCon more involved with Helm, but uh, the underlying infrastructure that manages Kube cluster. Um, you know, a lot of the reasons that people choose Kubernetes over something more simple is because they need a multi-cloud cluster, right? So yeah, definitely interesting. And there's so many, like Pulumi's kind of, I think, tr trying to become a rising star or is a rising star. There's, there's lots of players in the infrastructure as code space. So we only touched on really two today. Mm -hmm. um, but there's there's tons of things out there, so I don't know if anyone else has any um, cool ISE tools that they think want to want to give a sh you know talk about briefly. But yeah, feel free. Uh, Troposphere tried to do this for uh, tried to tried to do what CDK is uh, doing way back in the day. Um, and it just never really got the traction. Uh, it was for CloudFormation only, uh, and it was only in Python, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but yeah, they, they kind of don't really hear about them anymore, or that project at least. With CDK getting so much traction, I wonder if, um, and then with CDK Terraform uh, coming up, I wonder what the future looks like for uh, Pulumi. Mm -hmm. well, we're getting close oh go ahead I was just going to say I think something about Helm that makes it very powerful right is like you're using like go 